I'm wondering if there are any dreamers here today. Are you a person who has dreams and remembers them? <laughs> I have dreams, I just can't remember them afterwards. I just know I dreamt. How many dreamers do we have here this morning? Okay, a few of you are pretty active in your dream life, I guess. Are they funny dreams? Are they weird dreams? Are they scary dreams? Maybe at different times, all three of those? Yeah. I, I hesitate to ask anybody to please tell us one of their dreams. It could get a little weird right now. What kind of dreams do you have? Uh, you know, what do your dreams mean, if anything? You know, the psychologists really love to debate that one. You know, is there any meaning behind this? Tell me your dream. I'll tell you what it means. Our study of Daniel this morning is about King Nebuchadnezzar's first dream from God, at least the first one we know about. Now, there may have been others, but there's a, there's a series of three things that Daniel tells about where God is trying to get a message through to Nebuchadnezzar. This is the first. And God purpose, purposely, purposefully gave him this dream so that he could understand things that he needed to learn, and he could learn them no other way. I took a dream from God to open Nebuchadnezzar's mind to the truth. And what, uh, in this first dream, God wanted to see Nebuchadnezzar to see was that his kingdom couldn't last forever. You know, it was powerful. It was an amazing kingdom. And, 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 you know, just everybody was impressed. But it wasn't going to be a forever kingdom. King Nebuchadnezzar was a proud man. God wanted him to see the big picture of where he fit in things and what was going to happen after his kingdom. You know, his heart was set on conquering the world. You know, I'm, I'm just going to be the, the best that ever happened and I'm going to have the most land and I'm going to have the most people. I'm going to conquer everybody in sight and all of this. And so God was beginning to humble this man. He may have known down deep that there was a God, but he had no, no relationship with God prior to this. And the dream is what got things going. And, and so God started to, to break through to Nebuchadnezzar in this dream. Nebuchadnezzar had a lot of advisors, a lot of people built around him. You know, like a king has his court. And so he had these different guys that he could call upon and say, tell me what this means. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what I should do. And so he had some, some people that tried to, you know, go into the occult and you know, uh, astrology and different things. He said, you know, well, the signs are showing this. And, and so he would sometimes listen to them. Of course, he didn't have to. Nebuchadnezzar had never received a message from God before, from one of God's prophets. And so this was new territory for him. And even his advisors didn't have any experience with the true God, our God. And so this is a pivotal moment in his life. Did you know that God sometimes speaks to people through their dreams? Are you open to that? Are you open to that reality? We're going to go to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. If you're following along in one of the Bibles in the seats in front of you, go to page 719. And right there in the bottom right corner, you'll see the chapter number 2. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The 
king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you're trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. Hmm. Two things are going on here, at least. One is King Nebuchadnezzar has been dreaming, and his dreams were troubling him, at least this big dream that he had in mind, and and he's, he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand the meaning. Maybe he sees himself in there somewhere, but he doesn't understand where it goes in this dream. But God is trying to get a message through to him. And so God is disturbing him intentionally. He's troubling him intentionally. You need to understand something you don't know now. Secondly, Nebuchadnezzar's mind is troubled, and he didn't think he could ans- get answers from his usual source. From the wise men he had assembled around him. He is still disturbed by things that he cannot understand. Even with his whole cabinet. Even with his whole uh, group around him. None of them knew what this dream could possibly. They didn't even know what the dream was. And he refused to tell them. So he summoned these guys in. The magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the astrologers. Reputed to be the wisest, most intelligent people in the world. And these are people that he normally would listen to, but now he's grown suspicious. He's grown uh, aware that maybe they they have worked together against him sometimes. And so now he kind of puts them to the test. And he does not tell them the dream. In fact, they must come up with the dream and the interpretation. Nobody had ever done this to someone before, according to the astrologers. And you can imagine their consternation. You can imagine, what are we going to do now? You know, he's threatening our lives. He's threatening our families. He's going to destroy us completely unless we come up with the dream. And the only way to answer him is to say, nobody's ever asked this before. You're asking something that's unreasonable. But he insists this is the thing. So the advisors end up saying, what the king has asked for is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. And that was the, kind of their catch-all, except the gods. The gods know about this. The gods could tell us all about this, but they're not talking. They're not telling any of us what's going on. And so we are not privy to God's information, but that's where you could get the answer. They had no access to these gods. This is a very interesting thing, considering that it is God himself who is communicating a message to the king. The astrologers knew it was coming from God. But they didn't know how to access that information and how to receive what God was saying. All of them, including the king, just missed God's message because they had 
no way, no equipment, no understanding in order to hear what God was saying. And now Nebuchadnezzar begins to open himself up, hopefully. What is Nebuchadnezzar's reaction? Go to verse 23. Or down to verse 12, I'm sorry, through 23. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. He's following through on his threat. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. And at this, Daniel went into the king, and he asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember from last week. And he urged them, plead for mercy from God, the God of heaven, concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you. God of my ancestors, you have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what I asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. So the king firmly decides he's going to put all of the wise men to death. This includes Daniel and his three friends, because now they're after their training of their three years with the other Israelites are in this group. And so the four of them are under orders to be executed, and they learn of it just in time that the guards show up and say, we're taking you in. You're going to be executed with everyone else. And Daniel says, how can such a harsh thing be be done? And so he explained the situation. Daniel took it upon himself then to go in before the king and to beg for, for time, time that he might be able to know what this dream is and interpret it for the king. And praise God, God decided to answer that prayer after Daniel and his friends prayed perhaps overnight, perhaps for a day or two. God revealed to Daniel exactly what the dream was. He revealed the information that Daniel needed so that Nebuchadnezzar could receive the message that God was sending to him. The only place where Nebuchadnezzar's mind was open, through a dream. He wasn't open in his spirit. He wasn't open mentally, rationally. But when he was asleep, A message was communicated to him, but he needed to know what does the message mean. We don't have time to read this entire chapter, so let me summarize what happened next as this chapter continues. What did God want Nebuchadnezzar to see, to learn, to know? Well, first of all, Daniel asked uh, first for the guard to stop the execution of himself and all the other wise men. And when he got before the king and uh, he was ready to to uh, interpret the thing, the first thing the king asked him was, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? And Daniel says, no. Well, the answer should have been yes, but he says, no. 
And the reason for this is found out very soon. He says, no wise man, no enchanter, no magician, no diviner could ever explain to the king the mystery he is asked about. But, he said, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. So Daniel steps himself back and he says, I don't know. I could not do this, king. I have no power. I have no ability. But there is a God who reveals mysteries. And he is speaking to you. He is revealing to you something you could not have discovered on your own. And thank God that Daniel takes no credit for himself. Notice what Daniel said even in verse 30. He says, as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than other living men, but so that you, O king, may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. And then Daniel recounted the king's dream. No one else knew what this dream was, but God gave it to Daniel so he could interpret it to the king. Here's the dream. The king had seen an enormous statue of a man. His head was pure gold. His chest and arms were made of silver. His belly and thighs of bronze. His legs of iron. His feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. Then the king saw this large rock, not made by any man, that shatters. It goes against the, the feet of this statue and shatters to pieces the statue, smashes the feet, in fact, the whole statue is shattered to pieces and blows away like the chaff on a threshing floor. Only the rock is left in what Nebuchadnezzar saw. Only the rock remains, and it grew and became a huge mountain that filled the whole earth. I can understand why he's confused. What's going on here? Then Daniel interpreted the dream. He said, King, you are the head of this statue. God is showing you what is going to come, and you are the head. And after you, there will be successive kingdoms following you, going down through the shoulders, the torso, the, the, the legs, the feet of this statue. Each one of them success, successively weaker than the one before that. But most importantly, O king, at the end of this, God is going to set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. The kingdom that God establishes will endure forever. And then Daniel said, the great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. Now skip down to verse 46 with me, please. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Hmm. This is amazing, isn't it? God has finally broken through. 
God has gotten through uh, to this this, uh, man who is so full of himself, so full of his kingdom's expansion, and God wanted to impress upon him, you're just part of this history. I want you to know the rest. I want you to see the big picture of what's going on here. And Nebuchadnezzar is stunned. He's amazed, not by Daniel, but by Daniel's God. Look at verse 47. He says, surely your God is the God of gods. Surely your God is the Lord of kings like me. Surely your God is the revealer of mysteries. that No one else knows. For you are able to reveal this mystery. God has has broken through to Nebuchadnezzar's closed mind through this dream. This mighty king with practically unlimited resources didn't have what he needed to understand the message that God was sending him. He reached out to the wisest, the most intelligent men of the world, and they couldn't help him. For all of his might, for all of his success, success, he didn't understand what God was doing. But when he had a dream from God, he found out that he had to reach out to someone else. And that was a person that was a stranger, an exile within his kingdom, Daniel. He needed someone who knew the true God to show him the way. And that someone was Daniel, one of the Jewish exiles living in his country. A stranger in a strange land had the answer that this king needed. Is there knowledge, I wonder, to be gained in the world other than scientific knowledge? Other than the knowledge of hard facts, the knowledge of things that you can touch? Yes, there is. Can you get another kind of education besides the formal education of our schools and our universities? Of course. We know several ways you learn other things. You can learn through experience, can't you? We call it the school of hard knocks. You know, you just go out and try it. No, it didn't work. Or, you know, I, I want to push for this and I just can't push it through. I'll have to try a different thing. And you learn something each time you fail. You learn also, hopefully, from your successes. There's also the knowledge that's passed down orally from generation to generation. You know, I just, I watched them. I listened to what dad said. I heard from mom, you know, and, and uh, she taught me things along the way. There wasn't anything formal about it. There were no books involved. Actually, not a lot of even hands-on things, but they just told me, this is how life works. Most importantly, what we can learn beyond these things is what we can learn from what God reveals, That God, our God, has chosen to give us things we would never have known except that he chose to give them. He made known to us the mysteries that stay mysterious to so many others. And yet, don't we live in a culture that wants to insist the only valid knowledge is physical, material knowledge, knowledge that comes from the things we can touch or see. This is, maybe we call it scientific knowledge. Gained by the empirical method. Some people say the only things we can trust, the only knowledge we can trust is those things that can be verified by our five senses. Can it be tested? Can it be repeated? Can it be duplicated? Can it be quantified? Can it be verified empirically? If it can't be, our culture says, how can we know it's true? And that's a faulty perspective that's a faulty system of gaining information or knowledge even some of our top scientists will admit that if you press them that's why scientists and others posit theories that's why they offer 
a partial explanation of things. There are some things we don't know about this. So we'll tell you what we think is happening when we look at this. But we can't explain it all. In a, a couple of weeks, we're going to start a new study at 9 a.m., Jesus Among Secular Gods. And one of the points Ravi Zacharias points out in this is that there are, there are questions being asked in our world that our world is not answering. Like, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? How did I get here? Big questions. But science has no answer. Other isms have no answer. Only God has those answers. And it's because God revealed things that we could not have discovered on our own. Man's pursuit of knowledge comes up woefully short many times. There are mysteries of this universe we can only learn and understand by revelation when God reveals them to us. So I want you to see this this morning, that our culture puts its trust only in what we can see, hear, touch, or verify, you know, physically. But we Christians, on the other hand, believe that the Bible is God's revelation of himself and of his will for mankind. And it's a revelation. It's a revealing of mysteries that makes the difference. And we put our trust, we put our confidence in what God has said in his word. Even if we don't understand it all. It doesn't matter. But God has spoken it. And God speaks the truth. God has revealed many things to us in visions and in dreams. He has made known to man many things that we could never discern or discover on our own. And in his dream to Nebuchadnezzar, God was trying to break through to Nebuchadnezzar. He was revealing things that the king could never find out any other way. He would never have gotten there. And it was important that the king understood the big picture. Now, if you've read the rest of of the book of Daniel, hopefully some of you are starting to do that now, you know that this dream was not the end of God's revelation to Nebuchadnezzar. There was much more that God wanted to teach him, to show him. And so the next couple of lessons are going to show different things that God continues to teach this, this powerful man, the most powerful man on earth at that time. Now, stepping back from Nebuchadnezzar's story, what can we, story can we learn? One is that God's pursuing us. God God wants us to know. God wants us to have a relationship with him. And so he is trying to get his message of love to everyone. Some of us are open. Some of us are closed. If we are a believer, his spirit tries to get our attention uh, uh, and, and to show us things that we have yet to learn. But if we're a non-believer, he may work in different ways. We're not reading the Bible for non-believer. We're not really seeking out God. And so he may give us a dream, or he may give us a vision, or he may have somebody say something to us out of the blues, like, what was that about? Let me think about that. <laughs> Maybe some little thing is thrown out there, and God puts something like a roadblock in our way, or some circumstance in our way, and God is trying to reach out to every one of us, believers and non-believers. If you're not yet a follower of God, what will it take for your mind or heart to get open? to God, to listen to God, to really hear what God wants to reveal to you. And if you are a Christian, have you recognized those times when God is speaking to your heart and trying to open your mind to new things? Are you listening, you know, or are you just kind of, you got God in this box, you know, and only these things can happen, really. You know, God's not going to say anything else besides that. And so God's kind of over in the corner, maybe sitting up on the shelf of your living room with your Bible or in your Bible, 
and never really consulted, never really has a chance to really get into your life. Even as a Christian, you know, we could, we could put God over here to the side. And what God is trying to do is to break through to each of us and to reveal to us things that we have not yet learned or known. God is still using dreams today. Not every dream. I don't want you to go around thinking, oh, no, I had this dream, and it must mean something. You know, you live in fear of your dreams. But sometimes God uses dreams to break through to the hearts and minds of people who need his revelation. Do you know, you look at this, this is amazing. God is speaking to hundreds and thousands of Muslims who never read the Bible, who never go to church, who never talk with a Christian. Do you know that? And that sometimes he's speaking to them through dreams. Millions of Muslims have turned to Christ for salvation in the last 18 years. This has been documented by David Garrison in his book, A Wind in the House of Islam. Garrison traveled over 250,000 miles to interview more than 1,000 people around the Muslim world. And he discovered through his research that more Muslims have come to Christ since 9-11-2001 than in the 14 centuries before that combined. Isn't that amazing? He also learned that in the world there are 69 groups that he identified different movements among Muslims toward Christ. And that's more than 1,000 people have come to Christ in each of those 69 places. And so around our world are these different places where Muslims are moving towards Christ. And one of the amazing ways that Muslims are opening to Christ is through dreams. One young Iraqi man, for instance, began his search for Christ in Iraq. He didn't have any Christians around. He wasn't going to church. He wasn't reading his Bible. He was from an Orthodox Sunni background. But one of the main things that put him on the road to finding Christ was that Jesus appeared to him in a dream. He's having a dream, and here's Jesus in his dream. Wouldn't that be odd if you were Muslim? And so this put him on the road to finding Christ. His dream created curiosity, and he eventually became a follower of Christ. God was breaking through to a closed mind. God is not silent, even toward non-believers. God is reaching out to people, even people with closed minds and hearts. And so I want us to, to ask ourselves, do we understand how God desires to have a relationship with every person on this planet? Do we understand that no matter how closed off people may seem to be to us, God is reaching into their hearts. God is trying to get through to them somehow. And are we then praying for people who seem closed off to God? Are we? I don't want you to give up. I don't want to give up. Don't give up praying for them. We asked you to pray for one. Some of the ones we pray for are very closed people. Some of the ones that are on my list, I, I actually had five different guys on my list. Two of them moved away. I don't even have a way to talk to them anymore. And so my opportunity is closed, but I'm still praying for them because there are other people that know Christ, other people now that they live near wherever they went, that maybe can have an impact in their life. And God may speak to them in ways that we can't even imagine. God could appear in a dream. God could give them you know, in some insight, some vision of something one day and say, 
never thought about that before. I need to check that out. Or maybe some random conversation happens with a believer or a non-believer and somebody points something to God and, and the person begins exploring who God is. So don't give up on anyone. Remember Saul of Tarsus? Remember who Saul was? Paul, Saul was a, a persecutor. He was out there to get as many Christians, uh, you know, execute them if he could. He wanted to punish this new way. And Jesus confronted him through a vision on the road to Damascus, and his life was turned upside down, and he became Paul the Apostle. And so anybody is open to this. Anybody who is closed off as possibly could be even antagonistic, even pursuing and trying to snuff out Christians, we must pray for the people around us who do not know Jesus or the salvation that Jesus is offering us. They don't know anything about it, but we must pray for them, and we must seek opportunity to, to reach out to them because God is reaching out to them, and we need to ask ourselves, are we? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time that we could look into your word for Nebuchadnezzar's example that uh, here is a man that was very proud, very closed off, very very uh, much away from you, and you still got through to his heart, and you used Daniel to do that. Lord, I pray that we would think of the people in our lives that seem to be just as far from you as Nebuchadnezzar, and yet you are finding ways to communicate your love and your truth to them. We need to be part of that. We need to pray for them, and we need to to be mindful that you may even use us to say something, to do something, uh, somehow through our attitude or our behavior, that we could, could be used by you to communicate to them the message that you're trying to get through. I pray that we would not give up, that we would not become impatient, that we would not uh, be distracted with our own needs so that this becomes less of a priority, but that we would constantly be thinking of the ones that you have laid on our hearts and and maybe new people that you brought to us. Two of my guys moved away. Lord, who is going to replace them in my prayers and in my, my thoughts? in my activity so that I could be used by you. God, help us to each think that way and to to look around us and help us to be mindful of those who seem very closed off that every one of them is loved the same as you love us. And you're reaching out to them just as you reached out to us in the past. Uh, Bless us each that we would join you in this mission you have to save the world one by one. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you sing a song with me, a prayer song, asking God that he would make our hearts his home, a place where where we desire God and we want to let God be seen in our lives. Would you stand with me and let's